Welcome to the JPR Group Podcast, brought to you by the JPR Group of Baird Private Wealth Management. We're dedicated to bringing our clients, colleagues, and centers of influence the latest in wealth strategies, ideas, and information to keep you informed and confident. Also, listen in on conversations with industry leaders and interesting people from around the country that are changing the landscape of their businesses. This is the JPR Podcast. Welcome to the JPR Podcast. Today, uh, I've got a special guest and friend, Julie White. Julie is uh, an associate with Baird, and I'm going to let her tell a little bit about her role. So Julie and I have worked together for a few years now and become great friends, and um, she's taken on a new role with the acquisition of uh, Hilliard Lines to Baird. So welcome to the podcast, Julie. Thanks so much, Sean. Great to be with you and, and all your clients. Um, it's great to be at Baird and exciting as some of the new things that we're doing. So my title's Director of High Net Worth Service, which is really just the culmination of uh, work that we've been doing for a number of years at Hilliard Lions uh, and bringing new resources to Baird with the trust company and business owner service team. Uh, my background is that as a CPA, so it's really how do we connect all the dots for clients that have more complex needs and bring to you all the resources you need to serve clients no matter what their needs are. That's great. And I know you've been putting out a ton of content and that's one of the things I want to hit on today. We're actually doing a two-part interview uh, with Jalee and we're going to get um, a lot of information from her. So before we get in though, you've got kind of an interesting background, um, CPA, uh, family wealth office. Tell us a little bit about some of the previous jobs you've had that that have gotten you to this point? Sure, uh, yeah, from the time I was like 15 years old, I wanted to be a CPA. Loved math, loved the numbers, uh, and spent about a dozen years in public accounting. But what I really thought was missing was um, really on the planning side to be able to not just help a client build a plan, but really all the way through execution of what are all the things they need to do to really uh, put their plans in place and see their dreams come true. So. Uh, being able to work with a firm that offered all the different solutions that were necessary really just helped bring all the pictures together. And what I like the most is just people's stories, uh, uh, especially from a business owner or from an older person later in life to hear all the things they did that took them through there, to hear from younger clients what their hopes and dreams are, and then be a part of helping to put them on a path to make those come true or for our older clients to recognize their legacy and be able to help them figure out how they make that legacy uh, survive and thrive through the generations to come. So it's it's really just the culmination of putting everything together. Uh, I'm a constant learner, so uh, love learning new things and um, how do we bring new solutions to clients that are specific to what their individual needs are. Well, I know you and I have shared a lot of commonalities over the years, but uh, philanthropy is one. And I was really intrigued when you um, wrote this article uh, that's going to come out with the podcast. It's called Resources and Encouragement for Nonprofit Board Members and uh, or just how to be a good board member is kind of how I summed it up myself. And and honestly, there was some things in it as I thought about the, the director role that I play on a board. Um, it challenged me to be a little bit more active. And I actually had a conversation yesterday with the executive director of um so i've been reaching out on a of the of one of the one of the company one of the 
charities I'm involved in, just reaching out, having uh, calls every two or three weeks, just to see, just to be a good friend and a sounding board. So talk a little bit about the article and just kind of what made you go that direction, writing it specifically to board members. When this all happened, uh, really within the first week or two, this just became such a burden on my heart of um, when you think about all the different constituencies that have been impacted by this, that we just knew nonprofits were going to be hit hard uh, from an organizational standpoint and uh, in very different ways. If you're an arts organization, suddenly all your performances were closed and no one was coming to them. So how do you survive through that? And if you're providing public services, food banks or women's shelters, the need was going to expand exponentially in a way we'd never seen it before. So just really felt like the nonprofits that uh, play such a vital role in our community were going to be hit kind of hardest and hardest as we went through that. And then that burden really sits on the shoulders of board members of how, what our stewardship responsibility is. And, and that's... Um, sometimes even that stronger um, stewardship role than even how you feel about your personal finances or, or other things you might be involved in because you're doing that on behalf of all the good work that those organizations do. Uh, so it was, uh, and I'd been through it before, uh, so I just thought back to some of those experiences and uh, started reaching out on what were resources that we could bring to uh, nonprofits in our local communities that were best practices on a national level that could help them get through that and really just encourage people in those leadership roles on boards to lean in because um, those organizations really need us now more than ever. Absolutely, especially as we were coming through, you know, should we do PPP loans, all the different decisions about what to do, the, the organization I'm um, really involved in is Center for Courageous Kids, and we're a camp for children with life-threatening illnesses. So as we were trying to think through summer camp, it was just like, there's no way, you know, we can bring uh, people with um, these sort of medical conditions into this environment. So um, I, I thought it was great. You talk a little bit about, in the end of the article, not to give the whole thing away, but just about some experience you had, um, really about as you, the last fight, you know, the last crisis we had in 2008, 2009, how uh, the things you were losing sleep over were, were these nonprofit relationships and, and, and um, uh, responsibilities, I guess you would say. It was, uh, it was an organization that was developed uh, 10 years before then from the sale of a hospital. And it started off with 90 million um, that in those 10 years had become the foundation for so much that was going on in that community. And uh, it, without it, there, it wasn't just that organization, but literally dozens of organizations that would have been impacted. Um, and we'd also just brought in a new CEO. The founding CEO had passed away uh, the year before. We had a brand new CEO. He wasn't even a year into it when this had started. Uh, and just going through that was was challenging. And we were literally meeting every day for months. Uh, as our uh, 130 million got to below 70, and then you started to have uh, differences of opinion on how do we deal with that. And it was it was a really challenging time. And there's people that were we were on that board together that just became you know lifelong friends, kind of having survived it together, kind of locked arms 
and, and really surrounded that new CEO who just retired last year. And we all, all those old board members from 10 years ago, we all came back to his retirement party uh, just to celebrate um, the good work that that organization was able to continue and how we all um, did what we needed and brought our collective wisdom, which is one of the things I think that's great about boards. Uh, you are brought together because you have unique resources and things you bring to the table. And it, it's much different even than within a business where you have some commonality of, of the way you work. When you have a board, it's people that feel very differently about things. And it's that uh, uniqueness that gives you strength, but it's also a challenge to work through some of the interpersonal communications uh, because you're just kind of thrown together as a board for a few years and those board members come and go. So just the interpersonal dynamics of boards can be a real challenge. And this kind of situation stress test is that. And it's it's a challenge and it's um, something to uh, just all work through together. Mm -hmm. Some of my favorite board members to work with um, are ones that like to ask the question, well, well why are we doing it that way? You know, and I think about, especially being the chair, as, as I add board members or try to recruit board members, getting people in a room that, you know, when times get tough, like you're talking about, they're going to be there uh, and they're not just going to go along with whatever happens. They're going to be fiduciaries and, and serve that role the right way. One of my, um, we talked a little bit about donor advice funds. One of my favorite quotes, um, and, and I had it pulled up here and I keep it is um, from a pastor, but it says, when the money we save limits our luxuries, that's saving and it reveals wisdom. When the money we save limits our generosity, that's hoarding and it reveals idolatry. And I, I love that quote. And I think it just speaks to the heart of generosity and, and philanthropy. You, you and I were talking earlier about donor advised funds, and I know we both use those and recommend those for clients. Um, Share with um, the listeners just some of the statistics you were mentioning about donor advised fund usage and also just um, that encouragement around, you know, let's let's spend the money. Let's not hoard that money. and Let's let's put it to good work. Absolutely. I checked with the largest ones in the country um, and they didn't vary much. On average, it was uh, pretty consistent that in the last 60 days, they've seen grants from donor advised funds. So money that's been put in there that's now being granted and sent out to organizations up by over 30%. So this is really a time to utilize those funds. The survival of a lot of organizations is going to depend on that. And we're really going to see that need increase even more as we go through the summer. You mentioned PPP loans, which a lot of organizations were fortunate to get. And in some ways, that's carried them through the last uh, six or eight weeks. And when that runs out, they're going to be looking at a different uh, picture going forward. So they're going to need you more than ever. And especially if it's something that does um, service work. Uh, when I checked with a lot of the women's shelters that I've been involved with, uh, abuse centers, their calls are up four times their normal volume, and they're increasing every week. Every week that we're still in this environment, they're going to see that need increase. Same thing with food banks, their needs are exploding. Some of them are up over 600%. And as people, you know, we had another two and a half million unemployed this week. So that need's gonna continue to increase. So uh, this is a time to dig deep, uh, 
to give to organizations and not put strings on it. So don't, you know, leave it up to their wisdom of how they need to spend the money now. Don't try to put too many strings and tie their hands around it. Um, and really anticipate that these needs are going to be here for, for a while. I've got a good friend and, um, and client who is a consultant to large families and works with with individuals with big foundations. And one of the things that he sees that's becoming more prevalent is people accelerating uh, the payoffs. So you, mm -hmm. so maybe you had this foundation that was going to last into perpetuity, and now they're saying, no, we're putting a 15-year, we're ending this thing in 15 years. And just this idea of forcing that money out into the community and out into those causes that we all love and cherish. Um, I, I, I know most people from a planning standpoint think that's crazy, but I love the concept of just getting the money out there and not holding on to it forever. I think also, I was, you know, as you talk, oh, as you talk about, you know, just um, the donor advised fund things increasing, um, I, I've been encouraged by just the Baird Foundation, you know, the company we work for and how mm -hmm. they've doubled the match for associates in this environment too. So. Go ahead. It's, Sorry. it's amazing. I was just going to share, I was on a board meeting last night. I have one board, the finance committee or the full board, we meet, we meet every Thursday night. And so we have a June 30th year in. And last night we recommended a budget go to the board that is um, a pretty significant uh, negative outcome for the coming year. And, and the board has some, um, you know, pretty good stash of cash put away and investments and they said you know it's because we've uh we received not only received that money but earned it because they run at a, a surplus many years because some of the programs they do and we always said we saved it for a rainy day and we're like it is storming outside if we saved it for a rainy <laughs> day we're in the middle of a hurricane right now and it's the time where we really need to step in and keep some of those programs running uh and keep the staff because we think the the purpose of this organization is going to be needed by the community even more as we go into the future. So this is the time to really lean in and um, make sure we're there for the community as we come out of it. But it's uh, it's a very different mindset that we have to have in in these times. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. You know, this was a great conversation around philanthropy, but also you know, encouraging clients and centers of influence and people on the call to get out there. You know, if you're on a board, be active, uh, serve that role. Uh, and if you have donor advised funds or foundations, spend the money. Cause like, like Julie was saying, so many organizations are in such need for that. So Julie, we appreciate you joining us for uh, part one. So thanks everyone for being a part of the JPR podcast and uh, stay tuned for part two coming from Julie White. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcast. You may visit our website at thejprgroup.com for more information about our team or like us on Facebook. If you'd like to speak to a financial advisor on our team, please contact our office at 270-467-9664. We hope to hear from you soon. This podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument 
or to participate in any particular trading strategy. The information is considered to be from reliable sources, but its accuracy is not guaranteed. The opinions expressed are those of the show's host and guest and are not necessarily those of Robert W. Baird and Company, Inc. Baird does not offer tax or legal advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered by Robert W. Baird and Company, Inc., a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor. Member FINRA and SIPC.